Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, happy Sunday morning, friends. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life, uh, with you for a time of prayer and uh, delving into the scriptures for today. Welcome. Great to be with you on this day when every Sunday is like a little Easter and uh, we uh, reflect on what is the core and foundation, cornerstone of our faith, the fact that Christ Jesus is risen from the dead, conquering death, conquering sin, conquering every evil, every evil uh, that you and I have to deal with in this fallen world. So his word gives us hope and today his word gives us a challenge not to conform, not to conform to this age. Uh, we'll see what that means when Paul says that to the Romans and when Jesus says it to Peter in another way. We'll get into that. We're also uh, preparing for a couple of very special days. Uh, we're preparing for this Tuesday is the feast of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta. And we're going to uh, talk about the special, uh, Lund- uh, the special uh, novena of prayer that uh, we have for her. I'll tell you how to connect with that. And we're also getting ready for the National Day of Remembrance uh, this uh, coming Saturday, uh, the 9th of uh, September. It's every year on the second Saturday of September. And it is a time when people gather at the grave sites of aborted babies, and there's a lot of benefit to that, uh, which we will uh, speak about. And as one of you is uh, reminding us in the chat, the um, March for Life uh, there in uh, the UK happened yesterday in London, and uh, we were, of course, uh, in solidarity with that as well here at Priests for Life and in our, our international outreach so we thank all those who marched for life. Some of you may be uh, uh, joining us here for this uh, reflection, and we, we welcome you. So let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord and prepare to hear His Word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Christ Jesus is risen from the dead. Father, we proclaim that truth to the whole world. We root our lives in that truth. We draw strength from that truth as we work to uphold and defend, to spread and to affirm the dignity of each and every human life. As we give the most attention to those who are in the most danger. Lord, it simply makes sense. And it's also in accordance with your word. Blessed are the lowly, the meek, the poor, Your example, always reaching out throughout salvation history to the most marginalized, the most neglected. Father, we renew ourselves in that that spirit today, in that stance for life. Help us to understand your word. Help us to live it. Help us not to be led astray by the dogmas of the world but rather to be conformed to the mind of Christ. We repent of our sins. We lift up the needs of all those who are joining us. And we ask you that this day and this week continue to keep us on the path of holiness and grace. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. 
A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the 16th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, we read this. Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke Him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. Well, we as Christians are indeed nonconformists. What is it exactly that Paul is telling us not to conform ourselves to. He talks about the renewal of our mind. Now remember, drawing of course from the Old Testament, from the command given to all the Jewish people, Jesus said that in the first and greatest of all the commandments, we are commanded to love the Lord our God with our whole mind. So it's in the way that we're thinking, as well as our whole heart and soul and strength. But he includes mind there. And Paul says elsewhere, bring every thought into captivity to Christ. And he tells the Ephesians, be taken up into the new creation. You are a new creation in Christ. He speaks of the renewal of the mind. How are we understanding reality? How are we interpreting the things that happen to us and around us and in the world? How are we to think? Because that is a key and fundamental component of how we live. How we think comes out in how we live. So don't conform yourselves to this age. The word that's actually used there refers to the world as it was and as it is in the, in the lives of too many people, without Christ. The world was in a different state before the Savior came. We didn't have the fullness of revelation. Remember, the letter of the Hebrews tells us that in the fullness of time, Christ came, 
While in the past God spoke to our fathers in fragmentary and varied ways through the prophets, you got a little glimpse here, a little ray of light there, an aspect of God's plan here, another aspect there, a hint here, a prophecy there. Fragmentary and varied ways through the prophets we came to know the mind of God. But now we know it fully in Christ. He is the perfect image of the Father's being. The letter to the Hebrews tells us all has been manifested now in Christ and you see the Father. Jesus said to Philip, he who sees me has seen the Father. Now we see by faith here in this life, then we will see face to face. But the point is it's the same Father that we are seeing. It's the same God. We know now the fullness of what we need to know until the second coming of Christ. Christ is the full revelation of the Father. There's not going to be any more public revelation. Now, this is a fascinating aspect of our, of our faith. There is not going to be more public revelation until the second coming of Christ. God has poured out everything in Christ that we need to know to evangelize the world, to find our own way to uh, salvation. So we have a body of truth, and it's not only the doctrines that we believe, the scriptural truths that we adhere to, it's the way of thinking, it's the way of interpreting the world in the light of God Himself, in the light of His Spirit. So for example, well, the gospel passage that we just read gives us a clear example. Peter was conforming himself to the way of thinking of this world, not recognizing that in Christ there is an entire revolution in the way that we see suffering and rejection and persecution and crucifixion and death itself. God forbid, Lord, that this should ever happen to you. We can't let you get killed. We can't let you be rejected. We can't let you suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. We have to make sure you win their favor. We have to make sure you're on their, their, their favorites lists. Brothers and sisters, Peter is then rebuked by Jesus. <clears throat> you are thinking, notice he says, again now, the renewal of your mind. Jesus says to Peter, you are thinking not as God does but as human beings do. Direct connection isn't there here between that and what Paul says. Do not conform yourselves to this age, to the world prior to the outpouring of the Spirit, prior to the revelation in Jesus Christ, prior to the crucifixion and resurrection. Do not conform yourselves to a world that doesn't yet understand that God works through suffering and death in order to bring us eternal life, that God, in fact, used those mechanisms in order to bring us salvation. The stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. The remnant, a small, faithful community of people, ends up being the vehicle of salvation for the rest of the world. The suffering servant. We'll get to this also later in the week. It's why Jesus 
told the demons not to, not to speak about him as the Christ, as the Son of God. Jesus needed time to teach the people what kind of Savior he was. Remember when they wanted to make him king after they multiplied the bread and he walked away from them? I'm not looking for the earthly kingship, Jesus said, by doing that. I am the suffering servant. I'm the fulfillment of Isaiah in from the 49th to the 53rd chapter, and we read it on Good Friday and during Lent and Holy Week especially, that he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. To Peter, this was, no, this is, this is no, this cannot be the way. We can't let you be rejected and crucified. We're going to defend your earthly reputation and your earthly life. Now, let's not confuse this with basic moral standards. We have a right to a good reputation. We have a right to defend our reputation. We have a duty to preserve our health and our life. But what the Lord is speaking about here is that if we were to put as the highest priority staying out of trouble, if we were to put as the highest priority making sure our enemies don't get mad at us so that they want to take our life, we've got the priorities wrong. We have a duty to preserve our life, but we cannot rebel against God if others are threatening to take our life unless we do. And moreover, when the suffering does come, when the rejection does occur, and even when people are martyred for the faith, that is the cross. That is precisely the vehicle Jesus has given us for our salvation. Think about what we do on Good Friday. The cross is held up in front of the congregation. And the priest says, Behold the wood of the cross on which hung the Savior of the world. And then the response of the congregation is, Come, let us worship. And then the people in the congregation come up one by one and kiss the cross. What we're doing at that moment is called the veneration of the cross. We are venerating, honoring, claiming, embracing the tool God used for our redemption. The cross, symbolizing what? The despising of God's people by the world. Despising them. You know, the crucifixion. Lift somebody up off the ground as if to say, we are rejecting them from the earth. They are not to stand on the same soil as the rest of us. We want to get rid of them. And Jesus instead transformed it into a lifting up in glory. He transformed it into a moment when the world understood what love is, when one freely lays down his life for the other. A lifting up whereby that human nature that he had assumed at Christmas, he had assumed in the Incarnation, is being literally lifted up to the throne of God, being glorified, being purged, being purified. Ultimately, being raised from the dead and seated with God at His right hand. You are not thinking 
as God does, but as human beings do. And it's all too easy to think as human beings do. But to say, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This requires a constant revolution in how we evaluate things, brothers and sisters. Constant, constant revolution in this. And what it means is that we reevaluate the criticism of our enemies, the rejection by our enemies. We give no weight to it. We give no weight when people criticize your faith, our faith, our stance for life. When they call us racist, of course, anything they disagree with, the left will call racist. Go ahead, folks, just keep that up. Keep emptying the term of all its meaning and you won't be able to fight the real racism when it stares you in the face. When they try to control us, when they try to put new mandates, is this outrageous or what? <clears throat> that now we are starting to hear once again the resurgence of COVID. Oh, no, no, it's not going to work this time. The resurgence of mask mandates. Uh, it's not, don't go down that road. It's not going to work this time. It's too bad that there are some in government authority who think it's going to work this time. It's not. People are not going to comply. Do not conform yourselves to the thinking of this age. Climate change. Let me uh, talk about the thinking of this age. And this is another example. You know, people without the Spirit of God, people without the cross of Christ, need to have some kind of standard. And there are those who, uh, in the interests of just gathering power for themselves and controlling the lives of people and making people so afraid, whether it's because of COVID or because of climate change, will try to control people. <clears throat> That's thinking according to the world. And going along with this stuff, just because quote-unquote experts come along and say it, just because they occupy seats in academia or seats of power in government, doesn't mean we listen to them. So now, 1,609 Scientists, including two Nobel laureates, have come out with a statement against this climate alarmism. And they're, and they're saying that, you know, there's no scientific basis for this, this hyper-nervous uh, ringing of the alarm that somehow the world is coming to an end because climate change... <clears throat> Which, of course, in and of itself, that says everything, it says nothing. What does it mean? Climate change. We check the weather every day, don't we? Winter is not the same as summer, so the climate is changing all the time. Climate change, it doesn't mean anything. 
What these people are trying to do is advance an agenda whereby they make us feel guilty for the things we're doing as we live our lives, as we grow our economy, that somehow we're, we're harming the earth in such a way we are causing the temperature of the planet to change. And this is scientific garbage, could say a stronger word. Let me read from this declaration that these 1,609 scientists just came out with. By the way, if we're going to have any credibility as religious leaders, if we are going to have any credibility at all, we've got to be based in reason. Catholic faith, Christian faith, <coughs> excuse me, is based in reason. God gave us our minds. Be transformed by the renewal of your minds means to see things from God's perspective. <coughs> God is the author of reason. He's the author of truth. He's the author of science. Scientific truth. Listen to what these, these men and women say. <coughs> climate science should be less political, while climate policy should be more scientific. Scientists should openly address uncertainties and exaggerations in their predictions of global warming, while politicians should dispassionately count the real costs as well as the imagined benefits of their policy measures. There is no climate emergency. Therefore, there is no cause for panic and alarm. Because, you know, these climate change apostles map out plans for us by which energy costs dramatically increase and our economy gets devastated because we can no longer uh, produce the things that we need for energy and just do the common sense things that we do. And there is absolutely no evidence that if we continue to do them, well, you know, you can look back at the 1970s when the alarmism wasn't climate change, but population growth. And you look at some of the things that some of these people actually said by back then, we wouldn't be existing right now if they had any shred of credibility or truth to them. I'm telling you, religious leaders have got to be careful here not to jump on some kind of bandwagon uh, of the climate change globalist leftists. Do not conform yourselves to this age. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, starting first of all with reason, starting first of all by not letting ideology snuff out reason, and secondly, by seeing how in Jesus Christ the values of this world are turned upside down and the Beatitudes express it best. The new way of thinking according to the mind of God, that the lowly ones are the important ones. And hence that feeds into our pro-life conviction, doesn't it? That it is the smallest, it is the weakest, it is the most marginalized that we need to pay the most attention to. The most rejected that we need to honor. And that in our pastoral planning, I've mentioned this before, in the planning that we do for the work 
of the gospel, the work of the church, the work of the pro-life movement, we, we get out of this habit, because it is a habit, of planning in such a way that we're looking to win the favor of people. Oh, we can't, well, we got to avoid lawsuits. We got to avoid criticism. We got to avoid rejection. Don't you hear this all the time? You have a meeting, I don't know if, how many of you belong to your parish council or run a ministry or belong to a ministry or on a board of directors or planning group. Or, and how many times is the guiding principle, oh, well, let's not rock the boat. What do you mean? This is what Peter was saying. And he was rejected here by Jesus. Oh, it's like, there's nothing more important than avoid, avoid, avoid stirring up the enemy. What do you mean avoid stirring up the enemy? First of all, your enemy doesn't need you to stir him or her up. They're stirred up already. They hate you. The people who are attacking our faith, they're not waiting for some signal from you to give them permission to hate you. The people who, 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 who attack the sanctity of life, who attack the freedom of the church, we think they're waiting for a cue from us to persecute us. That's why I laugh when people who think they know my situation, where they, they, they actually threw me out of the priesthood, and, and it's like, oh, you could, have avoid, you could have avoided this. And it's like St. Peter, you know, Lord, God forbid that this should happen to you. You stay faithful to the mission God gives you. You don't go around calculating every day, oh, oh, how can I avoid having that person attack me? It's like what people are saying now in politics in the United States. Oh, we got to get back to normal. Oh, we, there, there's too much baggage here with President Trump, or there, there's too much division, or, or, or oh, oh, we got, we got to get back to some kind of normality. There's going to be no normality until we defeat the enemy. You don't get back to normality by retreating from the fight. You'll get back to normality by winning the fight. You don't get back to normality through retreat. You'll get back to normality through courage and engaging the enemy. This is exactly the, the mistake Peter fell into. We need normality. Lord, why can't you be like, like other like other religious leaders. Oh, they gather their disciples together and everything is good and everything is fine. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. Don't fall into that trap. So let's turn to the Lord now and pray for all those that are finding it a challenge to think according to the ways of God rather than the ways of the world. And let's pray for ourselves that the Lord will give us everything we need to be faithful. Father, we come before you today, the Lord's day, your day. The day that you have made, and you have made it because of the resurrection of Christ. And we learn once again that it is through the cross that we come to glory. We thank you, Father. We will not be afraid of any opposition, any criticism, any rejection whatsoever in our personal lives, our professional lives, our, our life as a parish, our life as a church, our world of politics. Help us, Lord God, 
to follow the way that you mark out for us in these readings. Help us, Lord God, uh, as we seek simply to fulfill our own vocations. Help us to provide for our families. Help us to do our work each day. Give us the strength that we need. Give us the provision that we need. And for those, Lord, who are poor, for those who are without sufficient wages, without sufficient shelter, without employment, without health care, those who are having health difficulties. Provide these, your people, O God, our brothers and sisters, with what they need and enable us to help them in any way we can. Father, in a particular way, bless the persecuted and may they never stray from being faithful and vocal about the truth. Bless those Persecuted for defending life, we have friends and colleagues who are facing prison sentences now simply because they tried to intervene to save the most helpless of all. And so they, by identifying with the unborn, are being treated like the unborn. And we ask, Lord, that they be given strength to continue to witness to the priority of saving lives. Bless the needs of all of us. Give us guidance and discernment in all the decisions we need to make. Give us consolation in all the sorrows we have to bear. Bring back to the faith those that we know, especially in our families who may have departed from its practice. Bless our leaders. Bless our upcoming elections. Give wisdom to the voters. Give protection and continued wisdom to President Trump and his team. And bring conversion, Lord, to those who occupy positions of power now in the United States bring conversion to all those who depart from the very meaning of public service. And bless us now as we turn to you, Father, and use the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And friends, uh, Mother Teresa's feast day is coming up on Tuesday. I knew her. Uh, I worked, uh, uh, well, my work with Priests for Life really started out with her advising me. And we have a special prayer at, pre at prayercampaign.org. In fact, prayercampaign.org slash Mother Teresa. And remember, Mother Teresa's name doesn't have the H. Um, Many of you who are named Teresa do have the H. Mother Teresa doesn't have the H. Uh, but she, um, uh, we have a special prayer in, in uh, thanking God the Father for her. I'd like to say that prayer uh, with you now and invite you to download it. Again, go to prayercampaign.org and you'll see the link there. The Mother Teresa's Feast Day coming up. Great defender of the unborn, right? The unborn were a, a key priority for her, uh, as were all the poor and vulnerable. And we... Uh, and we pray. Father of life, you always defend the poor and the oppressed. In St. Teresa of Calcutta, you raised up a voice for the voiceless and a friend to the poorest of the poor, the unborn child.
She brought women away from the despair of abortion clinics to the hope of a loving community that cared for her and her child. She spoke the truth to men and women of power, asking them, how could we tell people not to kill one another while allowing a mother to kill her own child? Father, as we honor this humble and faithful woman, we ask you to give us the grace to follow her example. May we be bold in word, generous in action, to love and serve the unborn, and to awaken our world to know, as St. Teresa of Calcutta said, that the greatest destroyer of love and peace is abortion. Fill us with love, bring us peace, and let us share your life forever. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. I see your comments here. Uh, thank you. Uh, is it Musically for mentioning Bishop Strickland's uh, letter to the faithful? You know, our associate priest, Father uh, David Begany, whom you see sometimes on these videos, was just with Bishop Strickland over the weekend, a conference there in the Diocese of Tyler that Priest for Life was well represented at. And uh, we thank the bishop for his leadership. But yeah, he did issue a great, uh, a great, pastoral, uh, great pastoral letter. Uh, thanks, Sharon, for the comment. Climate change is, well, uh, it's a heap of garbage. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, and thank you all, friends, for the, uh, the supportive comments here. Again, those of you in the UK, great March for Life uh, yesterday, despite uh, uh, any kind of obstacles. Uh, the, the devil always tries to throw obstacles in our way as we gather in the fight for life. Uh, but thanks, friends. We'll be with you um, each day. Now, this coming week, I'll be traveling a lot. I'll be uh, going to um, the other side of Florida on, um, uh, when was it, when will it be? Now, on Tuesday night for an event on Wednesday. And then I'll be heading from there to uh, Louisiana for an event on uh, Thursday. Then I'll be heading to Texas for an event on Friday. Uh, and then back here on Saturday. And Saturday is the National Day of Remembrance, which I uh, envisioned, uh, came up with the idea about over 10 years ago. And we've been having this National Day where people pray at the grave sites of the aborted babies. Go to remember, what is it now? RememberAbortedChildren.org and you'll be able to see more about that. God bless you. We will talk to you soon and have a great day in the Lord. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much, and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.